Um, but she had never been stopped. And this is the first time she had been stopped, even though she had fought at heavier weight classes and fought some good fighters, actually fighting Noemi Bosquez a couple of times. And although losing to Bosquez, not being stopped by her, Patinesa Estrada was the first one to uh, get her to not go the distance. And we had the chance to speak to Siniesta after the fight, and she spoke a little bit about her strategy in that first round and what she expects for the rest of 2018 now that she is under the banner of Golden Boy Promotions. So let's listen to what she had to say after that fight. Siniesta, coming off that fight against Sonia Osorio, who's a really solid fighter at the Velasco Theater and facing a one-in-six fighter, you think this was more of a keep-busy fight more than anything else? Yeah, definitely. It was a keep-busy fight. They called me like a little less, a couple days short of two weeks um, for this fight. And, um, of course, I wanted to um, I wanted to, to fight on ESPN, and I wanted to uh, take the fight. So um, I did it on a short notice just to stay busy. And, um, of course, I, I wanted I wanted to stay busy as much as possible, so that's why I took the fight. So um, definitely my next fight, I'll be in there with the level of opponent that I should be uh, facing and uh, hopefully fighting for my first title my next fight. You mentioned that, uh, you know, you haven't had a chance to fight at 180 pounds because you have to go up in weight to fight heavier girls this time you did fight a 108 house so how did you feel actually at your weight i felt so much better fighting uh, at my weight of course you know because the girls are um they're most of them if, if i fight at 108 most of the girls are weighing the same as me the next day and um you know um i just feel stronger and better uh, fighting at 108 instead of you know bigger girls who uh, fight 112 who blow up the next day to like 125 and they drop all the way down from like that weight to fight. Um, so I'm, I'm a lot smaller going in there um, and I think like my footwork and my boxing skills help me win. But at the same time, you know, I would like to um, continue to fight at 108 where I should be. Now, in the first round of this fight, we saw you do something that we don't usually see you do, which is really come out and attack her, usually box. So what was the strategy behind that? Were you just looking for that knockout? That was the game plan was to just be aggressive and stay on her because she's never been stopped before. And uh, she's fought uh, Naomi Bosquez, who's a bantamweight. And uh, she went the distance with her three times. So I noticed that when Naomi and these other girls fought her, they would hit her and then they would move. Hit her and move. And I was like, my trainer said, no, um, you got to hit her and stay right there uh, to, you know, let, let her feel the effect of her punches. So that's what I did from the start. Now, the fight ended kind of, you know, a little bit uh, kind of anticlimactic because of the cut. Were you kind of disappointed in the way that you ended? You rather ha would have knocked her out or stopped her with the barrage of punches? No, I mean, I knew either way I would, I knew either way that I was going to, I was going to stop her either way. Whether, um, I mean, obviously she got the cut because of my punches, because of my left hook. So I was going to keep working that left hook um, until the cut was so bad that they stopped it or until um, I maybe dropped her. Now, you mentioned that your next fight could probably be for a world title, but everybody's thinking and everybody's talking about the Esparza fight. So if it was up to you, would you rather have the Esparza fight first or the world title fight? Any fight. Whatever they want to give me, I'll take. Um, I know, of course, Golden Blade, they, they want to maybe build up the fight with me in Esparza and have me go my way, fight for a title, and have her continue to build her record. So, um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what their idea is, but um, I'm just ready to face whoever is next. Now, have they mentioned which title it would be at 108? Which WBC, WBA, IBF? Um, it might be NABF, WBC. I'm not, I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, I mean, I want, I want all the belts, so I'm ready to start somewhere. <laughs> all right, thank you, Sinisa. Thank you. No problem. Nice to meet you. 
And they had the interview with Sinesa Estrada right after her fight. And she mentioned a couple. One thing that I liked about the interview, David, is that she was very frank with what she had in front of her in Amarilis Adorno. She knew that it was a safe, busy fight. She didn't try to sell us the fact that she was a tough fighter or that she had never been knocked out before. She mentioned that she got a call a couple couple weeks before, and that's why she took the fight because of the opportunity. So she wasn't uh, kidding herself in thinking that the fight meant more for her career than it really did. So I like that about about her um, about that interview and also the fact that you know she's open to the Sparta fight is if Golden Boy is what is if that's what Golden Boy wants next. So uh, let's see what happens in, in that front. Yeah, I spoke to a, a Golden Boy and um, basically they told me that fight's going to happen in December or November. Mm. Well, one thing that we do know is that. Uh, Marlene Esparza, the, the other side of that coin, is getting married in June, so I'm sure that she wants to have some time off um, to take care of that and, and the ensuing events that happen with the marriage, you know, honeymoon and, and all that. So that, I think, is going to put a little bit of a pause on it, and that's why it wouldn't happen to the end of June, which is, in a way, you know, good for Marlene Esparza, but unfortunate for her career because even though she went pro last year in March of 2017, it's really been some starts and stops Marlene Esparza and her, and her career, even though she is signed to a major promoter in Golden Boy Promotions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, um, well, I, I think she wanted to. So even though she, she's going to pause for the marriage, I don't think it's going to last like three months. So she'll be back and, if everything goes, it seems like that November, December date uh, set by Golden Boy seems to be accurate. Would you, I mean, I, I mean, just right before we came on, on air, I was reading an article, and this is not regarding, you know, fighting, but, but maybe it would mean something for female boxing. But, you know, there's, there's a rumor or there's, there's an indication that that fight with uh, Canelo and Triple G might not happen in September. But if it did, do you think that that fight between Estrada and Esparza is big enough to be the opening bout of the pay-per-view if it were to happen? Uh, yeah, I think it would be the opening bout, but um, that, that's a tricky question. There's so many... So many uh, um, fighters that want to get on that and it's all about the money I mean how much money is going to be left over after mm-hmm. the uh, uh, it, it it depends it, it yeah, but it would be, be good I mean, for the women it would be an inexpensive fight I mean I wouldn't believe that Golden Boy would go out of the way and paying them I mean they're going to pay them a little bit more than their minimums but I don't think it would be all that more especially they could probably look for some kind of vacant title to make it for maybe the NABF uh, light flyweight or flyweight title um, and make it for that kind of title. Obviously, Ryan Garcia would be another fighter that would be featured on that pay-per-view card. But other than that, I mean, I don't think there is um, an easier fight to make for Golden Boy that could bring so much attention, especially to female boxing and what they're trying to do with it than Marlene Esparza and Cienes Estrada, especially if they kind of like promote it a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I kind of feel my, my feeling is that because there, there's such a a dearth in um, light flyweights, just fight each other as soon as possible. 
because mm-hmm. you're not going to find a whole bunch of light flyweights in the United States, and it's, it's there's not that many in Mexico that have visas to come over, and it's just they might as well just fight each other now, you know, instead of trying to build them up, just fight each other now. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Now, if you do want to call us in and talk female boxing with us, you can do so at 323-580-5735. This is the two-minute round. Your hooks and jazz look at the female boxing world. This is our episode number 45 after about a month and a half of being off, and we're going to try to continue and be on the air every other Thursday. So our next show is scheduled for June 7th, where we're going to be we're going to have some big topics to discuss because June is painting to be a big fight month for female boxing with Clarissa Shields and Christina Hammer uh, on Showtime and a couple more fights that are being talked about for June. So we are going to plan on being back on June 7th and talk about that. And obviously to have some type of major interview for you guys on that show as well. Now we're moving on to Saturday, May 5th, the same venue, StubHub Center, but this time it was 360 Promotions who broadcast and made history on that Saturday when they presented the first female fight bout ever um, on HBO. And it was between the first lady of boxing and arguably the number one uh, pound-for-pound fighter in the world, Cecilia Breakhouse, defending her WBC, IBF, WBA, and WBO titles with a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Callie Reese. And at 147 pounds, uh, Breakhouse also was down for the first time in her career in the seventh round. The scores were 97-92 and 96-92, two times. Now, I've seen the fight live, David, and I saw it on on HBO the next day. And one thing that you and I discussed, obviously off the air because we haven't been on since April, but we discussed uh, uh, previously is that this fight was a make-or-break fight for female boxing, in my belief, because it can it could either put us five steps forward as far as TV exposure in the United States, or it could take us ten steps back, all depending on what happened inside the ring. And with Cecilia Breakhouse, a fighter that is known to be defensive and maybe not the most exciting fighter out there, there was the real risk of that happening but the fact that she fought a bigger fighter in Kelly Reese, who went down from 160 pounds to 147, and the fact that Kelly Reese really brought the fight in the second half, it made it exciting enough that I think people were not uh, disappointed with the fight or with the re- maybe the result a little bit. A lot of people were booing over at the StubHub Center when Cecilia Breakhouse was named the uh, winner, but I thought that she deserved the win, and I thought that the fight was exciting enough, at least in the second half, that hopefully HBO um, gives us another shot at it uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. The fight actually played out exactly the way I thought it was going to play out. Um, everything, even the, the fact that I didn't think she would get knocked down, but I, I knew that Kelly Reese had the power to hurt her or stun her. And... Um, it played out the same way, but fans watching it at HBO for the first time, that was my concern. Were they going to like it as much as we were going to like it? Mm-hmm. Because we like female boxing. But uh, according to the ratings, they did very well. They did uh, 900,000 uh, views on her fight alone. 
Um, and the feedback was pretty good. Everything was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Cecilia was the athlete that I thought she was too. Yeah. I mean, I, we've seen her, obviously we've seen her on, on, on video and all that. And, but she does, she's not as technically sound as I expected her to be, you know, maybe it was because she didn't have mm-hmm. a normal trainer in there, but she wasn't as technically sound as I believed her to be. Like she jumps up, she jumps up and down a lot uh, before her punches. And, and I think that was one of the factors of why she ended up getting knocked down by Kelly Reese in that, in that right hand. So there is flaws there that, that fighters can can try to take advantage of, but I guess it would take a very special type of fighter to be able to do that. And, you know, that fighter has not faced a sealer breakout yet because she has not lost. Yeah, I, I've always contended, you know, Cecilia is one of the best athletes in boxing, but I've always contended Layla is the most skillful of the female fighters. Mm-hmm. She, well, she just has the boxing skill. Well, at the uh, post-fight presser where both of us were present at, Cecilia was uh, on the table and, you know, uh, facing the, the the assembled media there for quite a while, maybe half an hour, 40 minutes, where she touched on everything from um, her training camp, which began with um, Lucia Riker and then ended with, um, I forgot the name of the gentleman uh, who actually... Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks, the ex-heavyweight fighter who actually worked a corner for her. And, you know, she mentioned that, you know, she, she needed to have that, that uh, normal, nor- normalcy in her corner, even though Lucia Riker in her, in, in Breakhouse's own words said that she did a great job as far as training her up to the point that in the last minute she needed to have Jonathan Banks there with her and he made the flight uh, overnight to be there for her. Also, they touched on the subject of why the fight with Layla MacArthur has not been done. And according to Tom Loeffler and Cecilia Breakhouse, um, Tom Loeffler being her promoter, is that to a certain point, Layla MacArthur and her team have priced herself out of that fight. So, and then the, she also touched on the fact that Chris Cyborg, the MMA fighter who was at the sub hub on May 5th watching Cecilia Breakhouse fight, um, could be an opponent for her in the future. So, well, actually, on Twitter today, Cyborg uh, kind of announced that the Breakers fight is going to take a back seat, and now they're talking about Layla McCarter fighting Cyborg, and Layla wow. saying, "Yes, let's do it. Let's not wait next year. Let's do it this year." Wow! And what wait? Because so, that's a new development. I mean, Chris Cyborg is huge. Layla doesn't care. No, I know she doesn't care. The, the fact that Layla McCarter doesn't care, we know that. But how 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 big is how big is she, and and what weight would they do it at? I mean, it has to be at least at least one forty-seven. She's one forty-seven. Well, well, that's what they were uh, mentioning because that's what. Well, Layla's actually fought as high as one fifty-four. She mm-hmm. she's always. I mean, she's fought that high. So that's what uh, Breakus. Wants and I'm sure Linda would give it to her. Linda's all about skill. She doesn't care about the weight as much. Well, then, uh, you mean cyborg? No, I'm saying cyborg. Layla doesn't care about the the weight that she'll fight cyborg. Yeah, yeah. At right. 154, cyborg. Yeah, she would do it. 
Well, then let's see what happens because we do know, and it was made public that Cecilia Breakhouse, uh, her purse for this fight on HBO was $50,000 and Kayla Race, Kaylee Race's purse was 25000 And from the figures that Tom Loeffler shared at the post-fight press conference, Leila MacArthur is asking for quite a sum more than that. And I would believe that, Christ, that Chris Cyborg is also um, – used to making a lot more money than 50,000. Even Cecilia Breakhouse is, ma- is, yeah. is used to making more than 50,000 back in her home in, in Norway or in Germany, but she took True. the pay cut to be able to fight in the United States and on HBO because it's something True. that she wanted to do, you know? So very true. let's see what happens because at the end of the day, it is a business. It is price fighting and they all want to make money. And let's see who, who puts on, puts the first fight together. That's going to make the most of money. For the people involved. Now, another thing is that they leave the week following uh, on the Friday, May 11th, in New York City, Cecilia Breakhouse was named the Female Fighter of the Year for the first time, the first time that they ever give out that award. It's actually named after Christy Martin at the Boxing Writers Association of America. Um, so Cecilia Breakhouse was on hand in New York City to receive that, uh, that honor on the following Friday in New York City. So Cecilia Breakhouse being named the first um, female fighter of the year by the BWAA. So that that takes, uh, that deserves some, some note there as well. Now, on Saturday, the same night, but it was not televised, but from the Foxwood Resort in Manchantucket, Connecticut, the Bella Entertainment presented a fight that featured Shelly Vincent scoring a 10-round majority decision over Adina Kiss at, at 126 pounds. The scores there were Quite interesting, David, 190, 100 to 90, two times, and then uh, 95, 95. So that judge was completely <laughs> seeing a different fight. And we had the opportunity to talk to Shelly Vincent on a one-to-one, and we and has been posted here on the network, on the two-minute round uh, network here on Block Talk Radio. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, you can scroll back to the archives and find it. It was about a about a month ago, and Shelly Vincent, uh, you know, she's very eloquent, and she's very charismatic, and she likes to talk, and she told us all about trying to make the rematch with Heather Hardy, and the fact that that's not been done, and what she is expecting. She says she doesn't have too much longer in the female fight world, so she does want that rematch. She wants that rematch, David, over any other fight. She doesn't care about world titles. She doesn't care about anything. She wants the rematch with Heather Hardy. It's actually, it's actually a good fight. I believe it's a great fight. I believe it's a great fight, and it should be televised. But like anything, mm-hmm. they want to get paid. They want to get paid, and they obviously want to get paid more than they made in their last fight. And I'm all you know, for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and let's see if anybody's willing to take on that fight. Now, when that fight was made, was in the in the heyday of the premier boxing champions and Al Heyman and all the money that he had to put on fights and do the bites by the time buys on the networks. And that's why we were able to see it on the NBC sports network, but the PBC is not that strong anymore, uh, David. So, you know, unless Dibella finds another home for it on Showtime or anywhere else, even Showtime extreme, I don't know if we're going to be able to see that rematch. Yeah, sadly, yeah, sadly I think you're right. But it deserves to be done again. To be done again. And uh, the first time was a was a thriller and well matched. I mean, they were equal. 
in my eyes, and uh, it was it was action packed. It was great. Yeah, it was a great fight. And you know, and I would like to see because since that fight, Shelly Vincent has not been all that active. She's fought sometimes, but it hasn't been. She hasn't been as active after that fight that she was before that fight. So I want to see if that affected her in any way. Obviously, both of the fighters have gotten a little bit older. But also, Heather Hardy, she's fought, but she's fought mostly in, in, in mixed martial arts. So, and she's gotten, some, she's gotten beat up in MMA, to be quite honest and be quite frank. And I want to see if that's affected her as well, if they were to rematch. Because like you say, and I agree with you, that the first fight was very, very uh, you know, competitive and it was very, very close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Heather's a fighter. I, I think she would take the fight in a heartbeat. It's just up to the money, you know. I think that's what it comes down to. And Debella, he's very, very smart when it comes to uh, promotions and, and figuring everything out. If anybody can figure it out, it's going to be him. True. That is true. Now, uh, moving on to Saturday, May 12th, David. Uh, as of right now, Mexico has 13 female female world champions and one of the newest ones captured her title on Saturday, May 12th from uh, Chaco, Argentina. Guadalupe Bautista scored an eighth round TKO uh, over Andrea Soledad Sanchez in a 10 rounder for the, for the vacant IBF light flyweight title. So that title was vacant and Guadalupe Bautista who has a record, I think she has a record of like 19 and 10 or something like that or 1911 and I'll tell you the record right now actually went to the and actually did a little you know uh achieved the upset scoring the the Mm -hmm. eighth round TKO and now she's the new IBF world champion so that is one of the newest world champions that Mexico has scored uh give me one second here It was one of those fights that uh, the Mexican girl had fought beast and the Argentine girl had fought, uh, you know, lightweights, real meager competition. And uh, yeah. it, it it showed up, and it's going to show up over and over again. Yeah, she's 12-10 and 10 with two draws. Um, so, but now she's a world champ. She's actually gone, she's actually won one, two, three, four, five, six fights since, her last loss, which was back in 2016 to Lourdes, La Pequeña, Lulu Juarez. Um, so she actually went on a little bit of a run, and now she's a world champion. Andrea Soledad Sanchez from Argentina, Buenos Aires, to be more specific, is 8-2 in one draw with two knockouts. And she's actually lost her last two. So she ended. She was fighting for a world title after coming off from a majority decision loss and um, fought for the world title. And uh, and but she unfortunately lost to a much more experienced fighter. So one of the newest Mexican world champions, or one of the newest world champions in general, is Guadalupe Bautista, who is now the IBF 108-pound champion. Same night from Bayern, Germany, Femke Herman scored a unanimous decision, and somewhat of a shocker against Nikki Adler. Nikki Adler, former uh, super middleweight champion, coming off that Clarissa Shields loss, lost again this time by unanimous decision. It was for the vacant WBO title, and the scores there were 98-93, 98-92, and 97-93. So Nikki Adler, looking to be a world champion again, comes up short, losing unanimous decision to Femke Hermans. And on the same night, May 12th, but from Lancashire, England, 
Savannah Marshall, who is the only fighter who has been in Clarissa Shields ever, because Clarissa Shields, as an amateur or as a professional, has only lost once, and it was to Savannah Marshall at, uh, I think it was a world tournament. It wasn't the Olympics. It was at a world tournament, world championship tournament. And uh, so she's only lost once as an amateur, as a professional, and Savannah Marshall is the only person to do it. When she came back, she was 1-0. She had signed to Mayweather Promotions. But on our last show, I do remember that we shared the fact that she has amicably ended her contract with Golden Bull, with, I'm sorry, Mayweather Promotions, and now is back uh, fighting in England. She scored a second-round TKO in a scheduled eight-rounder over Esther Konekna. And at 168 pounds, the time there was 143. So we could only expect that she will be fighting them a lot more often and looking to, to uh, you know, develop a career so that she could get into the world-class level and challenge some of these names. And hopefully sometime in the future, fight Clarissa Shields. She's 27 years old, and uh, she's only fought. She went pro last year in August on the undercard of Mayweather against uh, McGregor and it was almost going to be a whole year since she fought but fortunately for her she left Mayweather and she ended up fighting. Uh, she fought under Hennessy Sports which is not a big time promoter in England but hopefully he could keep her busy so that she could develop some kind of career and, and start challenging for some world titles because if, if she was able to beat Clarissa Shields she's got to be doing something right. Yeah definitely. Now, we're moving on to the next night, which actually, no, before we move on from Saturday, May 12th, actually the biggest fight or the biggest name that, that fought on that night from the Madison Square Garden in New York City on Top Rank card, and this was featured on the uh, ESPN Plus app, Michaela Mayer scored a unanimous decision six-rounder against New Zealand's baby Nansen in the six-rounder, 135-pound scores were dominating 60-54 three times, David. So Mayer slowly but surely just building up her record, getting that experience. And hopefully she's mentioned that here on our show, interviews with you and with me, that she wants to fight for a world title. The sooner the better. And the sooner for her will be this year, 2018. Yeah, she was uh, mentioning that it's getting tough for her to make the 130 uh, weight limit. So she wants to do it quick and then move on. Uh, Everybody's talking about her and Katie Taylor next year. But she wants to win the 130 first before she moves up to 135. Huh. So she wants to fight for the 130. I wonder who who will be on the sides. I mean, being with Top Rank, she could get any – I mean, I'm sure that they could offer any of the champions out there enough money um, to to fight her. I mean, they brought over Baby Nancy. And I mean, I think that um, that Top Rank is starting to realize – what they have in their in their in their stable with um, with Michaela Mayer that they're willing to spend the money, you know. Yeah, in fact, it was Bob Arum uh, I spoke to uh, last uh, right after her fight, and he told me that there are plans for her. They definitely want her to fight Katie Taylor next year, and they're and they know what they have. They they're really pleased by her development. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, she looked good against Baby Nansen. Um, you know, Baby, she's a good fighter, but you know, as far as talent, and then obviously the physical, the physical, um, 
attributes or the advantages that Michaela Mayer has, you know, it was too much for her. But let me go over the current uh, 130-pound champions. We have uh, Hyun Mi Choi from the WBA, who is uh, from South Korea. We have Eva Wonstrom, who actually just defeated uh, Melissa St. Bill uh, not too long ago for the, on the WBC. We have the IBS Myra, Myra Hamadouche in, uh, from France for the IBF. And then we have the WBO's Ewa Bronica in Poland. So Ewa Bronica is the newest one of the champions. She captured the title on February 22nd of this year. Myra Hamadouche has been a champion since late 2016. Eva Wanstrom has been a champion since early 2015. And Hyun Mi Choi has been a champion for five years since 2013. So, I mean, any one of them, I mean, I'm sure top rank could bring it. Just not the one that is going to take the fight, is going to take the money, and is going to come over to the United States. So let's see if they can put that together the sooner the the better, because like you mentioned, you know, Michaela Mayer is, is having some trouble making that 130 pound. Uh, she's actually never made it as a professional. Uh, she's come, I mean, it looks like in every one of her fights, she's weighed in at 131 and a quarter. So, no, 131 and a half, actually 131 and a half or 131 and three quarters, 131 and a quarter. So she's actually never weighed in as a 130 pounder as a professional. So, Let's see, let's see if she can make it, and let's see the sooner the better so that we can uh, have her be a world champ. Yeah, yeah, that'll be uh, fantastic for, for and the, beating uh, any and, and beating any one of these of these fighters is going to be a feather in her cap because they're all respected world champions. I mean, they've been world champions for a while. They're all undefeated, and they all have a lot. Well, actually, no. Um, Myra Hamadouche is not undefeated, but she's 17 and one with 13 knockouts. And in my eyes, she might be the toughest one of them all because she's a punching machine. You know, she just comes yeah, forward and punches, punches, punches. Whereas Ewa Bronica, who is, yeah, tough, tough girl. She's 15 and no, only two knockouts, and she's the newest champion February. And it's the WBO who we know Top Rank has a good relationship with, so maybe they could get her to come over to the United States and be father for Michaela Mayer. So that was May 12th, her last fight, winning a unanimous decision over Baby Nansen in the sixth rounder with the scores of 60-54 three times. And we move on to Friday, May 18th from Entre Rios, Argentina. Débora Anaí Dionisius scored a 10-round unanimous decision over Luna del Mar Torroba to defend her 115-pound IBF title. On Saturday, the May 19th, from Corrientes, Argentina, we had um, Erika Anabela Faria score unanimous decision uh, in a 10-rounder against Jamila Reynoso to defend her 140-pound WBC title. And that's another fighter who's actually asking for a rematch against Cecilia Breakhouse. They fought not too long ago, uh, Argentina's Farias against Breakhouse in Norway, and Breakhouse won a unanimous decision. Faria said that she wasn't at her best moment in that fight and she would like to rematch. But, you know, there's, she's going to have to stand in line if the bigger Long names, line. Chris Cyborg <laughs> or Leila MacArthur or even Kelly Reese, who also wants the rematch and who Cecilia Breakout mentioned that she was willing to give it to her, um, yeah. are on that, on that, uh, on that uh, list as well. Now, on Saturday, May 19th, another new... Mexican champion emerged, not the first time that she's a champion, 
Not the second time that she's a world champion, but the third time. So Jasmine Rivas becomes the second Mexican woman behind Mariana Barbie Juarez to capture three world titles in three different divisions. And she did it in spectacular fashion, scoring a fifth round technical knockout over Liliana Palmera in a 10 rounder at, at 122 pounds um, for the WBA title. So Jasmine Rivas. I was kind of surprised. What's that? It was kind of a surprise. It was kind of a surprise because Liliana Palmera had just been in the, one of the fights of the year with Elise Sanchez, mm-hmm. and you know they fought twice. And yeah, they she, lost know, the both title of them to her. Fought, yeah, they they fought great battles. So I figured, oh, it's going to go in the distance. Yeah, and but no, but she actually hurt her with the left hook and was able to drop her. Um, Palmera gets up, and then um, and then uh, Jasmine Rivas finishes her off, having the uh, the uh, referee jump in and stop the fight after Palmera wasn't able to defend herself. So it was it was a def- definitive conquering win for Jasmine Rivas, and now she becomes the second female fighter from Mexico to capture three world titles. Barbie Juarez did it last year when she captured the 118-pound title, and now Jasmine Rivas does it at 122 pounds. So she made history there. Now Mariana Juarez, not to be outdone and not <laughs> and not wanting to stop, says that she has a 122-pound title on her on her sights that she wants to become a four-divisional four world champion. And even though I don't think that, that Barbie Juarez has ever fought for the WBA, I don't see why it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to go after Jasmine Rivas and trying to get that title from the fellow Mexicans because not only does she stop her from being a 33-divisional world champion, but she's able to capture her fourth title. And being that Jasmine Rivas is coming from a smaller weight classes, 115, 118, and she's not a natural 122-pounder like uh, the current WBC 122-pound champion is who Mariana Juarez might go after, which is Fatuma Sarika, you know? So that might be her best bet to go after Jasmine Rivas because she's the newest one. She's not the biggest one. And she might feel that she could beat her. Now, the IBF Super Bantamweight champion is none other than Daniela Romina Bermudez, La Bonita Bermudez from Argentina, who owns a win over Mariana Juarez at Bantamweight. When, as we all remember, Mariana Juarez, when she went up to 118 pounds, the first fighter that she faced at that weight class was Bermudez, and Bermudez beat her. So now, you know, between Bermudez and Fatuma Zarika and Jasmine Rivas, I think that's the best best chance for her to become a fourth-time world champion in as many divisions, unless she goes to the WBO and because that's vacant, but we'll never we'll, we'll see about that. I don't know if Mariana... Yeah, and Amanda Serrano would take her in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, but the WBO is vacant because Amanda Serrano is not being listed as the world champion anymore because obviously she has made the jump to MMA and has not defended that they title. Made her, they made her a super champion, so she has a choice of any division. Well, there you go. But I, I, 
my it would be I, I think that it would be a suicide for Mariana Juarez to to face a uh, Amanda Serrano not because because Amanda Serrano is younger because Amanda Serrano is bigger and Amanda Serrano just might be a better fighter so if she if she, if if she had to have if she if she had a choice I don't think that she would go after Amanda Serrano unless it was in the United States and they paid her a lot of money but Amanda Serrano cannot cannot get her promoter to pay you know Mariana Juarez more money than she makes in Mexico and if they go to Mexico you know, they could offer Amanda Serrano a good chunk of change, but is it going to be worth it to her? One, and is it going to be less than if it was Jasmine Rivas? I mean, I'm sure that she could get Jasmine Rivas for less money than she could get Amanda Serrano. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably true. But, but point, I think if I think if Amanda Serrano went to Mexico City, they could probably get two hundred thousand, four hundred thousand people there. Yeah. Well, if it's like free, they did in their other fights. Yeah. But I think that, that financially, they have to pay Barbie Juarez more money because she's going up in weight and she'll be facing Amanda Serrano and they would have to pay Amanda Serrano a, chunk, a good chunk of change to go to Mexico City. And I just don't know if financially it would be more feasible than just going after Jasmine Rivas. Now, the only thing that stops making that Jasmine Rivas fight is that they're on opposing networks Barry Juarez is with uh, Televisa and Jasmine Rivas is with Azteca, but they've made oh, fights okay. both networks before. You know, they did them with um, they did them with uh, Jackie Nava and Ana Maria Torres, and not that right. not Jasmine Rivas is not at the level of Ana Maria Torres or Jackie Nava as far as popularity. Mariana Juarez obviously has exceeded that level, but yeah. it, you can sell that fight with with having a three-time, three-divisional world champion facing a Barbie Juarez who's going after the her fourth title in as many divisions. So I think it's a, it's a great fight. I think that the more I talk about it, the more I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, now, so do I. The same, the same night on Saturday, May 19th, from, from Lima, Peru, another Mexican became a world champion, adding to the 13 female world champions is Maribel Ramirez, who actually went in and scored the upset over Linda Laura Lecha from Peru for the WBA 115-pound title. Uh, it was a majority decision with scores of 97-93, 96-94, and 95-95. and uh right after the fight, mentioned that she felt she had been robbed in her own country, but then after, I guess, watching the fight and kind of uh, having some time to think, she said it was fine and that she's going to try to uh, get another, another opportunity for a world title. Maribel Ramirez, 12, 12 wins, nine losses, two draws with three knockouts, is what is on a, was on a two-win streak when she went to Peru and beat Lecha for that um, WBA Super Flyweight title. And this goes to show, David, something that you have mentioned a lot on this uh, on this show and on your writings and and, and it, anybody that listens is that, you know, female boxing is like the MMA. Like, a loss doesn't really ruin your career, and it only no. goes to show that you're just a tough fighter with experience, and you just have to face fighters so that you can fight because, obviously, there isn't a big pool of fighters. This wasn't the first time that Ramirez had actually fought Lecha. They had fought back in 2014 with Lecha scoring a unanimous decision, but... Even Ramirez, she's faced everybody. She's faced Mariana Juarez. 
she's faced uh, she's faced Mariana Juarez when she had about less than ten fights, and Mariana Juarez had over thirty fights, and they fought. Juarez knocked her out in eight rounds. She fought Esmeralda Moreno. She fought Tulina Munoz, who is just coming off having a baby. We hope to win. We see her. We hope to see her again. She fought Naoko Fujioka. She got stopped in 2013. She fought Esmeralda Moreno again. I mean, Tulina Munoz again. She beat Esmeralda Moreno the second time they faced each other. So she actually has another world champion under her her belt. Competing her is not easy. No, and she also beat Jocelyn Arroyo for the interim WBA light flyweight title. Oh no, she lost to her to Arroyo, but uh, but it was a split decision. I think I remember seeing that fight, and that was a really close fight. So she fought everybody. So that gave her the experience, thirty-one years old, to go to Peru and not be intimidated, and to score her first world title with a win over Linda Laura Lecha. And now let's see what they have in store for her. Uh, as a WBA Super Flyweight Champion. The same night from Yorkshire, England, Nicola Adams scored a first-round TKO over Soledad del Valle Frias in a scheduled 10-rounder at 115 pounds, David. And there's a little bit of controversy with this fight because the the timekeeper forgot to set the, uh, the timer for a two-minute round for the women, and Nicola Adams scored her TKO at 259 of the first round. So, so it's... Uh, if if he if she if he would have, you know, done his job correctly and done the two minute round, you know, I'm not saying that Valle Frias would have not been knocked out some sometime during the fight, but it might not mm-hmm. have been in the first in the first round because that round went about 59 seconds too long. But but it goes to tell uh, goes to show what I've always said that women need to fight three minute rounds. That if they did, you would get more knockouts, and there's proof right there. Yeah, no, that is they, that they need to go three minute rounds. Two minutes is too short. Yeah, they, it's they're just not able like to a sprint. <laughs> yeah, they're not able to set up those set up those knockouts and uh, and score those knockouts like you mentioned and we have talked about uh, previously on this show. Now this last Saturday from the Foley Forum, actually, well, it was this last Saturday, uh, the 19th from the Poly Forum in Playa del Carmen, Cancun. It was televised by Televisa. Esmeralda Moreno uh, and Yesenia La Niña Gomez fought to a 10-round draw for the WBC 108-pound title. So Moreno continues to be the absolute WBC light flyweight champion. And Maricela Cornejo scored a, t- a third-round TKO over Claudia Ramirez in the scheduled six-rounder in a keep-busy fight. And now it looks like maybe Maricela Cornejo will be coming back to the States in her next fight and fighting here, hopefully in the Southern California uh, region where she yeah. has a lot of, a, a lot of fans. Well, oh, I spoke, spoke to her after the fight and uh, through uh, live on Instagram. And she, wa- she does not care who she fights. She wants a title. She doesn't care who it is, anybody. Anybody, she said, Clarissa, Alicia Napoleon, Nikki Adler, any of those. Um, she doesn't want to fight any more, uh, uh, what do you call it, opponents. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, it, it kind of shows in her past fights that uh, the, even the people that she fought were pretty good. Uh, the, the girl from Mexico who she fought to um, a majority win, 
that girl went on to to fight to a draw against the Mexican heavyweight champion. Yeah. And so that kind of tell you that girl was pretty good. And oh, that's I, like I think her last name was and, Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I forget her first name. She has a kind of Ira, a, Inaiz or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but she's a good fighter. Very good fighter. Well, I mean, I think the obviously Christina Hammer and Clarissa Shields are on a on a crash course against each other. Oh yeah. And, mm-hmm. and and we're gonna talk. Well, we more than likely we're gonna talk about this on our next show, which is June seventh. But uh, but just to touch on it real quick, Christina Hammer is scheduled to fight on June twenty second on the undercard of Clarissa Shields fight on Showtime. Christina Hammer is scheduled to fight and defend her WBC and WBO world titles against Tori Nelson, the last fighter to have faced Clarissa Shields and went the distance against Clarissa Shields in a 10-rounder, whereas Clarissa Shields is dropping down to 160 pounds to fight for the WBA and IBF um, uh, 160-pound titles against current 154-pound champion Ana Gabriels of Costa Rica. So there's going to be a little bit of musical chairs there, David, regarding the world titles. Let's say Clarissa Shields wins beats Ana Gabriel on the 22nd. So obviously the WBC and the IBF are either going to ask you to choose between the 160 pounds and the 168 pounds. And what we, when we talked to Shields here on this show and what she has stated in public is that her goal is to whittle down to 160, maybe go down to 154, and then somehow mm-hmm. you know win titles at 160 and 154, mm-hmm. and then maybe entice Cecilia Breakhouse into a fight at 152 to 154. Shields has stated that she probably can't go any lower than 152. But Shields, ever since she went pro and maybe even as an amateur, she has tutored herself as the greatest woman of all time. Okay, And obviously, she can say whatever she wants, but nobody sees her as the best female fighter of all time just yet. But a win over Cecilia Breakhouse is going to get her a lot closer to that, whereas Cecilia Breakhouse is considered the pound-for-pound number one right now. On your list. What's that? On your list. My list is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I would say on 90% of the list, David, come on, or 80% of the list, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but 80% of those lists don't know women's boxing. Well, okay. Just but, by I records. Mean, yeah. Well, I mean, well, let's grant it. We're, we're on the same page that you know female boxing, I know female boxing, and we're going to agree to disagree that on your list, Lady McCarthy yeah. is number one. On my list is, is Cecilia Breakout. So, okay. So, yeah. with that and said. is very close. <laughs> yeah. Clarissa is getting closer, even with Amanda Serrano dropping out out of female boxing right now. Obviously, Amanda, on both of our lists, she's in the top five. So, 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 so if that would happen, so then if that would happen, going back to Maricela Cornejo and the, and the fact that she has a very good relationship with the WBC, I think it would be in her best, in her best interest to hold off until June 22nd and see what happens with Shields and with Gabriels and, if that WBC 168 pound title goes vacant, 
then she could possibly fight for that vacant title, and then she Very brings cool. something to she brings something to the table to make the biggest fight at that weight class, which will be against Alicia Napoli. Because if you're coming into the fight as a challenger is one thing, but if you're coming in as a world champion, even if you did win a vacant world title, you're coming in as a world champion, and you know now you got something to negotiate with against Alicia Napoleon. So I think that if she's waited this long, I think her and her team should wait a little bit longer and put their first their best foot forward and try to go into the bigger fight against an Alicia Napoleon or a Femke Hermans for the WBO as a world champion. And all she has to do is wait for June 22nd and see if Shields beats Gabriel and vacates the WBC title, and then she can fight anybody who is ranked at the WBC. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a wise move. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Nancy Rodriguez, uh, Cornejo's uh, manager, is an avid listener of the two-minute round because we just basically gave her the uh, the uh, game plan for her fighter, and it's going to be free of charge because we just did it over the air. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy's pretty shrewd. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I hope... Well, listen to this. Okay, so so number one ranked as of May, so this may change by June because she just lost. But even if she didn't, and she and they kept her as number one, they could still make the fight. But she could fight. Oh my God, they, she could fight. And <laughs> let, let me just go through this. So Nikki Adler's number one at 168, right? Maricela Cornejo's number yeah. two. So if Nikki Adler stays as number one, the WBC could order the number one and number two to face each other for the vacant title, okay, which will be Nikki Adler against Maricela Cornejo. Or even if they just um, flip-flop positions and Cornejo becomes number one and Adler becomes number two because of her loss, they could still fight the number one and number two for the vacant title. Now, Alicia Napoleon is number three. Femke Hermans is number four, who she is now the WBO champion. Franchon Cruz is number five. I'm and sure she's good. Yeah, she'll be chomping at the bit to fight Cornejo for that title. Mm-hmm. And she has a promoter. Oh, in, yeah. uh, she's promoted by... Uh, uh, Salida. No, Salida, yeah, Salida Promotions. Then we have Angelica Lopez Flores, who I'm not too familiar with from Mexico, which we'll go into right now. Let's see who she is. Number six, we have Logan Haller, number seven. Never heard of her. Tori Nelson, number eight, but she's fighting for the 160-pound title. We have... Yes, against Hammond. We have Eileen Sigmashvili from Georgia, the country, not the state, at number nine. <laughs> yeah, and then number 10, David, which that's why I started laughing in the beginning. Not, no disrespect to her, but I just think she, that it's funny that she's ranked at number 10 at the 168-pound t- pound division is Elisa Olsen. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I would hate, I would hate that if they made that fight for the vacant title between Maricela Cornejo and Elisa Olsen because she's ranked in the top 10. I mean, I would not be happy with, with something like that. Wow, look at this girl, David. We never heard of this, of this young woman, 23 years old, from Jamai, Jalisco, Angelica Lopez Flores, 12-0, six knockouts. Okay? Hmm, you never know. Never yeah, know. you never know. Now, now let's go over her record real quick. And obviously, she made her debut against a pro debuter. Her second fight was against a pro debuter. 
Her third fight was against a, a pro debuter. Her fourth fight, she beat a three and one girl. Her fourth fight, pro debuter. She that girl beat her again. Then her, I don't know. Her sixth fight was against an zero and three. Her next fight was against a two and zero. Her next fight was against a three and two. So she's basically she's basically fighting the same girls over and over and beating them all, David, to build up this record of twelve and zero with six knockouts. So, I mean. She's gonna have to fight somebody sometime, so why not be um, why not be uh, Maricela Cornejo for the world title? Yeah, it's very yeah, possible. possible. Maricela showed Maricela that she's showed very, that she's strong. very strong. Very, very she's strong. strong. You know one thing about Maris, one thing about Maricela Cornejo, or a couple things about Maricela Cornejo, because she's she's a little bit older. She got into boxing a little bit older than normal than normal fighters. But one thing is she's mm-hmm. a hard hard worker. I mean, she's always in the gym, and I follow her on social media, so she's always posting her workouts, so she's always either running, or working out, or in the gym, or eating right. She's a nutritionist, too. Yeah, so... She actually makes, prepares the food for the other fighters in her gym, which is the Indio gym. She's a vegan, so she's she's plant-based, which I'm a vegetarian, which I respect. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a vegan, but I'm a vegetarian, so I respect what she does. Um, so I think she, she's putting herself in the best possible uh, position to win a world title. And the fact that, you know, maybe her skill set is not at the, as good as the other women who started their careers earlier, but she is with the great trainer in Joel Diaz, and she's improving in every fight, and she's honest with herself when she doesn't put on a great performance and and she's honest with herself and saying, you know what, I didn't do as good in that fight. I need to work on this and this and this. And then she goes back in the gym and works on it and then betters it in her next fight. And that's the only thing you could ask for from anybody, you know? Yeah, she's, so, a, she's a girl. She's, been, she's an all-around athlete. She's been in several sports and college. And, college and, and uh, so she knows what it takes to be, you know, at the top of the game. Yeah. So, David, now we're on our female fight chatter portion of the show. So, do you have any other tidbits that you have come across in your in your jaunts across the gyms in Southern California? Yeah, we've had a lot of visitors from other countries. Uh, recently, we had uh, Tomomi uh, Takano from Japan, who's a, a fighter slash model over there, very famous over there. She's been in uh, L.A. for several months, and she fought twice in Tijuana. We had another girl, uh, Aida Sadek, Sadek, uh, Baldanova from uh, Kazakhstan. She's fought. She's going to be fighting in two weeks. Uh, she just won a title. Um, it's funny, but Southern California has suddenly become this mecca for, for female boxers uh, from around the world, and there's we're having, uh, and the next month is going to be two or three uh, big time female fights in Southern California, back to back weeks. Uh, you have uh, uh, Adelaida Ruiz, who just knocked out the, the Mexican girl uh, in a battle of uh, undefeated fighters. It was a terrific fight, one of the best fights around, and another vicious knockout for, for Ruiz. Uh, she's fighting on July, uh, no, in June 
the 13th, I think she's fighting here in, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And also the Kazakhstan girl, Aida uh, Sade Baldanova, is fighting on the card in separate separate bouts. One's the lightweight, uh, the Kazakhstan girl, the lightweight, uh, the lighter, the bantamweight, and a hard hitting bantamweight. But there's a lot of uh, female fighters coming from all over the world. J- uh, Japan has suddenly discovered uh, California is the best place to be. Uh, Naoko Fujioka is coming back, and she'll be fighting this summer in Los Angeles. So there's a lot of action going on in Southern California, this area where I live. Well, there you go. So if you guys are in the area of Southern California and want to follow female boxing, you can at theprizefighters.com, a website that uh, Mr. David Avila and myself write for, and we post pretty regularly upcoming fights, interviews with with uh, fighters that are going to be in those fights and uh, and anything else in between. So you can follow that at theprizefighters.com to get your female boxing news and obviously listen to this show, the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 45, and our next show is scheduled for June 7th. It's every other Thursday. We've been gone for about a month and a half, but now we're back, and we'll bring you in some more interviews um, like we've done. I mean, on this show, we've had everybody. We had Tom Loeffler. We had Steven Espinosa. We had Eric Gomez. We've had Christy Martin. We've had Clarissa Shields. We had Amanda Serrano. We've had Melissa St. Ville, Michaela Mayer. Uh, uh, we've had... Uh, uh, have we had Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano. Have we had a Marlene Esparza yet? I don't think we have. We've had, we've had Maricela Cornejo. We've had Barbie Juarez. We've had everybody on this show. So, yeah. yeah. So if, you, if you're into female boxing... Just follow us and follow the pricefires.com. You're going to get all your news. So with that said, we're going to move on to the upcoming calendar for the next two weeks. And these are the fights that we're going to be talking about on our next show, June 7th. And, and it's not as busy and it's not as, as, uh, as jam-packed as the last couple of weeks, David, but we do have what I believe a very important fight coming up this Saturday. But before that, on Friday, May 25th, from Warsaw, Poland, Ewa Piakotska, will be defending her 154-pound WBC uh, world title against Maria Lindbergh in a scheduled 10-rounder. They already weighed in today and both made weight. That's a big fight. Yep, so that's going to be on tomorrow night. Well, tomorrow, our time will probably be tomorrow afternoon from Warsaw, Poland. And on Saturday, May 26th, like we mentioned on this show, we have 13 world champions in Mexico, two of them, three divisional world champions in Mariana Labarri Juarez and Jasmine La Rosita Rivas and Yvette La Guerrera Otomi Zamora. She changed her nickname, David, from La Roca to La Guerrera Otomi. She is very proudly uh, indigenous to the mountains of central Mexico, right around Mexico City, and she -hmm. wants to bring attention to that. So, from her last loss, which she lost her 108-pound WBC world title to Esmeralda Moreno, she said there's a new Ibet Zamora. And to, to show that there is a new or mark that there is a new Ibet Zamora, she's changing her nickname from La Roca, the Rock, to the Otomi Warrior, La Guerrera Otomi, Ibet Zamora, who's going to be facing former two-time world champion Melissa Mighty McMorrow from San Francisco in a 10-rounder 
for the vacant WBC flyweight title. This fight is going to be televised nationally in Mexico, like there always are when they're of this caliber. And, you know, if Samora is to win this title, and she should be the favorite because Magmaro has not fought since 2016, and that is one of the major issues with Magmaro, a 10-year veteran, but has spurts of inactivity, whether she can't get the fights, whether she doesn't fight, whether she can't get a promotional support, whatever the case may be, she just can't get fights. So this is her first fight in two, since 2016, and it was a loss to Esmeralda Moreno. They're going to be fighting for the world title, and it's about that would win, she would be the third Mexican fighter to capture titles in three different divisions. She was a champion at 105, she was a champion at 108, and now she'll be a champion at 112. And then we would have to see what would happen once the the current or in recess champion Jessica Laquica Chavez comes back after her pregnancy. She has not had the baby yet, but I think she's almost there. And then obviously she's going to take some time off to be with the baby. So we would probably not see her back to the end of 2019, but she is the champion in recess. And they have faced each other in the past with Samora beating Kika Chavez, but now it would be at 112 pounds to see who is the absolute WBC flyweight champion. But that is down the road. And Samora still has to beat Melissa McMorrow on Saturday night. David, how do you see that fight playing out? It'll be another bloody fight. Very bloody. Yeah. Both of them have a similar, they're both short fighters, uh, uh, and they both have very similar come forward, throw a lot of punches style. None of them could be considered a boxer or a, or a, a technical fighter. So it's really going to be a, about whose punches get there quicker, harder, and more often. And we're going to see who, who that is on Saturday night because whoever it is is going to end up being the WBC flyweight champion. And if it to be, if it were to be McMorrow, it would not be a shocker, David, because she has gone oh, no. and beaten the world champion in their backyard, not once, but twice in her career. So oh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it that she could do it a third time, even though Samora is not the champion. She might as well be, she's going to be the hometown fighter fighting in her home, basically her, her, her backyard of Mexico city. And, with her promotional company and on her network. So she might as well be the champion. Um, so if Melissa McMorrow ends up pulling the upsets on Saturday night, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, there's a reason nobody wants to fight McMorrow. Exactly. Now, on the same card, there's a, there's a rematch from, uh, I believe it was 2014 fight between Lourdes La Pequeña mm-hmm. and Lulu Juarez. She's going to be facing Jackie Calvo in a scheduled 10 rounder, 112 pounds. The first time they face each other, Lourdes Juarez won a controversial split decision over Calvo. Since then, both of them have gone undefeated, not lost one fight. Juarez getting an edge on, on, on activity, fighting a little bit more often than Calvo. But both of them have gone undefeated since then. And now both are poised to hopefully challenge for a world title soon. So I think this is somewhat of a off-the-books eliminator because I think the winner of this fight deserves to fight for a world title fairly soon and 112 pounds, why not be the challenger to whoever wins the WBC vacant title between Samora and McMorrow in the main event? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that Lourdes deserves it already. But the fact that they're going to allow Jackie Calvo to fight her, 
I mean, that, that's even better because that's the best elimination fight you could have. Lourdes yeah, and, Calvo and, and not that it's the only controversial win that Juarez has, but it might be the, the one against the biggest name in her ledger. So that is a good reason why you're having the rematch. So that's going to be a good fight card on Saturday night on Televisa. Also on the same night, but in Switzerland, Priska Vico will face Judy Wackerville in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Silver Super Lightweight title. And on Wednesday, June 6th, the night right before our next show, from the Avalon in Hollywood, California, I'm sure that Mr. David Avila is going to be in the house oh, yeah. for 360 Promotions Fight Car, where Louisa Houghton, how do you pronounce her last name? Houghton. Houghton? 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 Yeah, Houghton. 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 Houghton, former WBO flyweight champion, will be facing Elvia Trevino in a six-rounder as light flyweight. I think she was a light flyweight champion for the WBO. And Houghton is coming off her US, U.S. debut, which was back in February, where she got shocked by Anaí Torres for a regional WBC title, uh, which we were both at, David, and we talked about quite extensively on the show right after that um, fight card. And now she's coming back for a second round. She's actually the only female fighter uh, signed to Tom Loeffler's 360 promotions. So now she's getting another shot at it and maybe taking a little bit slower against a little bit easier opposition in Elvia Trevino. In a sticker yeah, round, he was actually a, um, a minimum weight fighter. He usually yeah, fights at 105. And her record is like one in three or something like that. So, so that this yeah, is she's a very good that, fighter, but no, no power. Yeah, and maybe this is the fight that she should have gotten back in February because because Luisa hadn't fought in a while when she made that uh, that uh, her that U.S. Uh, debut back on that Superfly undercard, and I think that that um, they bit a little bit more than they could chew uh, on that fight, being that she had not fought in a while. She was making her debut in the United States. She was with a new promoter, I mean, with a new promoter and a new trainer in Jimmy Montoya from Arizona, and she was fighting Anaí Torres. Her record wasn't all that great, but she was a tough, tough fighter, gone eight rounds with Denise Estrada and a bunch of other fighters, and maybe this is the fight against a two-and-three fighter in Elvia Trevino that they should have taken back in in February, and then build up to the Anaí Torres fight. But, you know, 20, your vision is 2020 in hindsight, and I'm sure that Mr. Tom Loeffler and the rest of her team, Grant Phillips, the owner of Grant Boxing and her manager, learned from that experience against Anaí Torres. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, all the Mexican girls are very tough. Uh, you can't take any of them for granted. You can't go by – in fact, not just Mexican girls. Most girls in general, if they fought a lot of fights, they're they're pretty experienced. You can't go by losses because yeah, some girls they losses. just they're yeah they're good. You got to go by by who they fought and who they lost against and who they went the distance with. And if they would have seen that with Anaí Torres, they would have seen that she was a very tough tough girl. And and most of these girls that have these and 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 actually most of these girls that have these like almost losing records or almost five hundred records. You know, they don't see themselves as, as opponents. They just see themselves as fighters, and they're going to go in there and fight and give it their all every time they face each other. And, and the proof is in the pudding in Maribel Ramirez, mm-hmm. who is now is a WBA super flyweight champion, and Guadalupe Bautista, who is now the vacant IBF 
uh, 108-pound champion, which they have, uh, you know, almost 500 records, but they went to, to, the, to the house of their opponents and ended up beating them, and now they're world champions. So that's something that's got to be considered. All the time, especially in female boxing. All right, David, well, we come to the end of this, the 45th edition of the two-minute round. You're hooked to Jeff look at the female boxing. We wait for you guys, our listeners, on our next show, which will be number 46 on June 7th. Don't forget to visit theprizefighters.com. And also, if you want to listen to some interviews with Shelly Vincent and Alicia Baumgartner in our archives, you can do so. So until June 7th, we bid you farewell. Good night, David. Good night.